Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy you're here today. I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have Marcy Shimoff here. She's one of my heroes, and to get to actually talk to her about what I'm so passionate about is very exciting to me. Welcome, Marcy. (laughs) Thank you, Emily. It's so wonderful to get to be here with you, and I love what you're doing with your podcast series. I think it's such an important topic, and so thank you. Oh, thanks. I I thought I'd give you a little background on me and my relationship to you. I've had two husbands die. And after the first one died, I was kind of a mess for a while. And I had a really hard time even smiling. And I, I, several months after he died, I ran across your, your book, Happy for No Reason. And I thought, maybe this is what I need. <laughs> so I read that and it really did help me. I, I loved all the, the research in it and your interviews of all the, the happy people. And it, it just really made a difference for me. And I really didn't think I'd ever get married again, but I did, and I'm glad I did, and had a wonderful new relationship. And then when, after he died, after Ron died, I started turning to writing myself to help with, with me deal with my grief. And it wasn't, it wasn't for anybody else to read. It wasn't for my book because I hadn't even thought about it at that point. But I, I was doing that. And ultimately, what came out of all of that is my book, Loving and Loving Your Way Through Grief. And... I started doing lots of social media and I kept thinking something's missing. And I was online one day and ran across the happy for no reason certified trainer program. And I thought happiness, that's what's missing from my equation. Cause I, I talked to, cause I'm talking about loving and living. So it was kind of about happiness, but I wasn't clearly focused on happiness. So I decided to take your training program and it was absolutely perfect. And from there, we've gone on to now have created the the, uh, Grief and Happiness Alliance where people get together every Sunday on Zoom and we do some writing and then we do a happiness practice and the people are just thriving in it. And at the end of the meetings, they're always smiling and it's, it's very exciting. So that's that's kind of my story into your story. Oh, Emily, that just totally warms my heart. I'm first of all, uh, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry for your losses. And, um, and I'm happy that happy for no reason showed up at a time that was so valuable for you and that you've taken, you know, there's a saying that our mess becomes our message or what is our deepest pain is what we can hear to teach. And what you've done is such a beautiful job of turning your own grief into uh, valuable teachings for other people and especially around happiness and grief. You know, I think that that's, you know, you, you mentioned to me beforehand before we came on it, how, um, how that's often such a a weird thing for people to think of. And uh, I really appreciate that you are bringing this message into the world that, that you can be happy even in the midst of grief. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. 
I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about happiness and, and how the happiness set point relates to all this and mm-hmm. how it really is good and okay to be happy and grieving at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was not born happy. I was born depressed and I spent a lifetime, early part of my lifetime, very depressed as a teenager. No reason for it. I was depressed for no reason. I had a great family and all of that, but I spent most of my years in, in, in my twenties trying to get happy through making everything outside of me work. You know, if I could get the right job, if I could get the right relationship, if I could have enough money, if I could look a certain way, all of that stuff, then I'd be happy. And I worked really hard to get all my ducks in a row. And I found myself, I had everything I thought I needed to be happy. I remember I was giving a talk to um, a room full of 8,000 people. And um, it was at the time when my Chicken Soup for the Soul books were huge hits. I had three books at the same time in the top five on the New York Times bestseller list. And after that talk, I had autographed 5,432 books. They had hired a massage therapist to massage my hand so I wouldn't, so I could keep on signing. And after autographing that last book, I felt like one on one hand, like an author rock star, but I went up to my hotel room, which was the penthouse suite that my client had gotten for me. And I walked over to the windows and looked out at this huge view of Lake Michigan. I was in Chicago and I turned around and I fell onto the bed and burst into tears. And I burst into tears because I realized that I had everything I thought I needed to be happy and I still wasn't. And that's when I dove deeply, Emily, into the research on happiness. And here's what I found that is so relevant to what it is you're sharing about grief and happiness. I found that the research shows that we each have what's called a happiness set point. And it's like a thermostat setting. And no matter what happens, whether it's good or bad, we will tend to return to our happiness set point within a short time or or if it's a deeper issue within maybe a year or two. So no matter what, that means if you're going through grief, Within a year or so, you will return to your original happiness set point. It also means that when you have all those great accomplishments and you think, oh, great, now I've got what I need to be happy, it'll make you happy for a little bit. You know, people who win the lottery, they're happier for a little bit, but it doesn't last. The only thing that will really shift our happiness, no matter what's going on on the outside, is raising our happiness set point. That's the key to it all. And... Here's how the happiness set point is determined. It's 50% genetic. You're born with it. I was not born with the good happiness genes. It's only 10% your circumstances. That is a very small piece of the pie is our circumstances. It's only 10%. The other 40% is our habits of thoughts and behavior. And that's what we can really change to raise our happiness set point. But scientists have taken it even a step further than that. People in the field of epigenetics like Dr. Bruce Lipton who wrote the biology of belief. They have said that that 50% that's genetic can be influenced or changed by changing our habits. That means that 90% of our happiness set point is based in our habits, not our circumstances. And to that, I say, yay, whoopee, hallelujah, because we have freedom. We have the freedom to change our happiness habits, to raise our happiness set point. And that is partially why we can be happy through grief. 
And so I'm happy. I, I love your perspective on that. And then I'm happy to share my perspective. Uh, that's that's exactly it. I, I know that I hadn't really talked to Jacques, my first husband who died, about happiness. You know, he was a really happy guy and, and we had a, a lot of joy and, and things together, but we hadn't really discussed it. And I just didn't have a frame of reference for it, living without his laugh, you know, and, and his uh, support. So it was, it was kind, of, kind of strange. But when I got together with Ron, he noticed that I didn't smile a whole lot. And so he kept saying, look in the mirror, you know, smile at yourself, get, get used to it. You'll, you'll feel better if you do that. And I, I kept thinking he was out there someplace. <laughs> but I discovered that the, the more I started to smile, the better I started to feel. And I really think without realizing that it was the real beginning of my journey. And so after, after he died, when I would start to get down and, and everybody gets down after a death of a loved one, it, it just is going to happen. And if I started to go down that direction, I would try and recognize it and, you know, kind of take a deep breath and go, you know, Ron would be disappointed if he was looking at me right now and saw that I wasn't living my best life, that I wasn't finding what I needed to do to make my life the best it could be. And that kind of made me start to think, okay, what is my purpose? What it, what can I do? And my book evolved out of that. Being a happiness trainer evolved out of that. The Grief Alliance, this, this podcast all evolved out of that. And I find the more I participate in things that are focused on happiness, the happier I am. And I'm happy. I've told people this and they think it's really strange to have two husbands die and have me say, I'm happier now than I ever have been. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of people feel like they are somehow betraying their Mm -hmm. beloved by not, if they feel happy, then it meant that's something was wrong with the relationship or something was wrong with the other person because now you're happy. And I love the way you just framed that because what you're doing is you're saying that actually honors the person even more. Your being unhappy because they're not around doesn't help their journey. They're not concerned. It's what it does is, so we don't, I don't think that, I don't think we need to feel a sense of, of loyalty to them by staying in grief. Now, I also deeply believe, as I know you do, that grief is a process and it's something to be absolutely honored. And there are very clear stages of grief and to really feel them, but not to hang on to them. A friend of mine uh, once said that, that any feeling fully felt will turn into bliss. Any feeling fully felt will turn into bliss. And so I think that what happens is we stop ourselves from feeling the pain and it just builds in our system rather than just allowing ourselves to be with it and almost embrace it. In fact, there's one little technique or tool that there's a few that I'd be happy to share with you, but there's one that that comes to mind when I speak about this. And that's I call it the the bathtub technique. Um, It can also work in a shower. And that is. 
I imagine, or I do this when I'm actually in a bathtub, or I imagine that I'm in a bathtub. And if I'm starting to feel these very strong feelings of sadness or pain or resentment or grief, whatever those feelings are, I just imagine that I'm sitting in this bathtub and I'm feeling them fully. I'm welcoming into this warm bath and the water is just gently cleansing them so they go down the drain. But I feel them. I let them be. I embrace them as though you are embracing the warm water in a bath or in a shower. You're letting it be there rather than fighting it off. And by doing so, it actually relaxes the whole system. It says, it's okay to feel this. And I don't need to push it away, nor do I need to hold onto it. I feel it. I let it through me. And then I let it go down the drain when it's ready. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. I can just, I could have a vision of it as you were speaking about it. Yeah, it's yeah. A, such a simple process, but it really helps us to it, welcome in and embrace, invite in those feelings that we, that we, we resist feeling that we don't, we think we don't want to feel. And You know, I want to just for a moment speak to this idea of happiness and grief, because um, the work that I do is called happy for no reason. And people wonder, does that mean if you're walking around 24 seven, you know, like with a little smile on your face and you're in a Pollyanna state of denial. And that is not what I mean. What I mean by happy for no reason is that you have an inner state of peace and well-being that doesn't depend on your circumstances. So you are still going to feel the waves of life, the waves of anger, the waves of grief, the waves of sadness, but you have a backdrop of peace and well-being that you carry with you wherever you go. Someone once said that being happy for no reason, instead of trying to extract your happiness from your life circumstances, instead you are bringing your happiness to your life circumstances. And that allows you to be free in life. I'm happy. I've got this inner backdrop of happiness and peace. And in that, there's these waves that are just on the surface. But I am the solid foundation. I'm the ocean floor of steady happiness. I love that so much. It's so perfect. I, I was thinking as you were talking about it, that one of the challenges that grieving people have is that they hold on to their grief so tenaciously that they can't see around it or beyond it or see that there's more to them than their loss. And, and what you described can, you know, if they can see that, what help that is for them. Yeah. So there's a principle in life that what we put our attention on grows stronger in our life. And, you know, where your energy, where your attention goes, your energy flows. And so we don't want to ignore the loss or the grief, just as I said, we want to actually experience and embrace the feelings of that. But also, we don't want to keep our attention 100% focused on that because there is so much more in life also that we are experiencing. So one of the things that I suggest that people do when they are in the process of grief, and this may sound really counterintuitive, but is that you also do an appreciation practice, that you keep an appreciation or gratitude practice alive in your daily life, even in the midst of grief. And it can be as simple as thinking about, or I prefer writing down. I think that when we write things down, it helps a little bit. Um, Writing down 
three to five things every day that you're grateful for. You can do this at the end of your day. You know, I'm grateful that I had meals today, that I had food today. I'm grateful that that I have arms and legs and can move in the way that I can. I'm grateful that I have friends who are supporting me through this process. So it's important in all at all times to remember appreciation and gratitude because you will it's one way to not stay stuck in the grief. Absolutely. And I've, I've got to tell you, you had a part in my gratitude too. When <laughs> I was kind of stuck after Jacques died and I had two different friends tell me at that time, you need to watch the movie, The Secret. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh yeah, <laughs> that's that woo-woo <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, if these two different people both gave me the same message, I probably should pay attention to it. So I did. And I watched it. It's the first time I recall you. <laughs> and I, when I finished, and it was back in the days when you had actual DVDs instead of streaming things, <laughs> when I went to, to put it back in the case, in, in the, the liner, it said, write down 10 things you're happy for. And I said, give me a break. I'm, I'm a widow. I've lost my husband. What do I have to be happy about? And then I thought, pay attention. You just watched this movie. It's suggesting you do this. Try it. And so I did. And I found 10 things that I was grateful for. And I got hooked on it. I started not only writing a gratitude list every day, I write my gratitude whenever I think of something. If I was in line at the bank, I'd pull a receipt out of my purse to write something down real quick so I wouldn't forget it. And I have made it a consistent practice since then and have written at least three things. And it's usually more than that every single day that I'm grateful for. And boy, does that change your happiness. Wow. First of all, you are so wise to have listened to the fact that you got two messages to watch the movie, listen to the fact that you had an impulse to write down, to do that exercise, even though it sounded like crazy to you to do writing down 10 things you're happy for and your wisdom to have kept it up. Um, You know, there's a variation on a theme of that, that we haven't happy for no reason that I'd love to share with people who can think of it slightly differently, a different way of thinking of your gratitude list. And that's one woman I interviewed says that she pretends that she is the Academy Awards Committee. And her job every day is to give out five Academy Awards. And so she'll be out for a walk and she'll see somebody doing an act of kindness for someone else. And she'll say that gets the kindest act of the day award. Or she'll see this cute little dog walking in the park and she'll say that gets the cutest dog of the day award. And it's just a fun way to imagine that you are on the lookout for what's good, for what you're grateful for. If you've got children, play this game with your children, even through grief. Again, this is not a a way to diminish your relationship. It's actually a way to honor your relationship with your beloved. Absolutely. You know, if if all you focus on is your sorrow and pain, that's exactly what you get. So whenever you can find something beautiful, like writing gratitude or giving awards out, uh, it it can, you can't help but smile when things like that go on. And I can tell you, it feels really good to smile. And if you haven't in a while, try it. In fact, right now, just smile. We're smiling 
And so just imagine your, just do it right now. And even if it's fake, what's happening is the brain is registering it and it's creating endorphins in your body that are the among the feel-good chemicals. So, you know, of course, when you're in the midst of, of crying, you don't need to smile then, but just, just every so often, you know, maybe every hour, just smile for 20 seconds and see what happens. Oh, it, it really, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I, I, I love to, to go for walks and I'm, one thing I'm a little bit addicted to is when I see something really beautiful, I just have to take a picture of it. Uh, I use those pictures in my social media and things, and but I don't use all of them. I probably never will, but I love scrolling back through and it, the pictures and going, boy, that was gorgeous. Can you believe those colors? It, it's just so neat. Or I found, I, I don't know, if, when you visited Hawaii, you've, you've run across the Nene, which is our, our state bird. And they're, they're kind of rare oh, and you yeah. don't see them very often. And they're beautiful. And the other day, I, and I've never seen more than two together at a time. The other day, I saw a whole family of them. And they were they were so beautiful. Unfortunately, I got pictures of them. And every time I look at them, I think that's so cool that I got the chance to actually see a whole group of these fantastic birds. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. And I, I, I love the Nene also. So, yeah, there's so many opportunities. You know, we have, I think, I think it's been said that we have 2 billion bits of information that comes to us every nanosecond. And we only perceive a small fraction of it. And we perceive what our brain is, is trained to take, take notice of, you know? So what we need to do is to train our brains to take notice of what is good and beautiful and love filled. And even, even as we are in the midst of grief, um, that is, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do to train the brain. The other thing to do is to train the heart into what's called heart rhythm coherence. Do we have, would it be okay for us to do a very short process? Absolutely. Everybody? Please do. All right. So the heart is, you know, where we feel our pain, usually, especially grief is felt in the, in the heart. And there's a group called the Institute of Heart Math. They're the world's leading researchers on the heart and happiness. And they have actually found that when we are angry or frustrated for just five minutes, it can suppress our immune systems for up to six hours. Mm -hmm. But when we're feeling love and appreciation, what we've just spoken about, when we're feeling love and appreciation for just five minutes, it can strengthen the immune system for up to six hours. And of course, we all want to have stronger immune systems. Um, especially these days. And what we find is that people who are going through stress or challenge or grief, it affects the immune system. So we do want to strengthen our immune systems. And so uh, what they've also found is that when we're angry and upset, what happens is that we go into what's called heart rhythm incoherence. It's when our heart rhythm, our heart waves become very erratic or incoherent. When we're feeling love and ease and appreciation, they go into very smooth rhythms called heart rhythm coherence. And that's, these are just real things that are measurable that we can, we can not only are we feeling the shift, but if you were hooked up to a heart rhythm 
heartening for you would be able to see the, the changes in the rhythm. So what I'm going to do is not going to take us five minutes. It's just going to take us about a minute, but it will tend to put you into heart rhythm coherence, into a greater state of love rather than stress. So it's very simple and it's three steps. You can do it with your eyes opened or closed, but if you're not driving and you're able to right now, I recommend that you do it with your eyes closed the first time at least, because I think it can go deeper. And so if you're able to, please close your eyes and take one hand, either one, and put it over your heart. And this very act of putting your hand on your heart starts the flow of a chemical called oxytocin, which is dubbed the love hormone because what we feel when we feel bonded and connected with each other. But just you putting your own hand on your heart is starting the flow of oxytocin in your body. Now, the second step is called heart-focused breathing. So on each in-breath, I want you to imagine that you're breathing into your heart. And on each exhale, just imagine that you're breathing out of your heart. You can breathe at your own pace, but on each inhale, breathe into your heart. And each exhale, breathe out of your heart. And just doing that may, you may already start to feel a shift. And now here's the third and final step. On each inhale, imagine that you're breathing in love, ease, and compassion. Just breathing into your heart on each inhale, love, ease, and compassion. Your exhales, just gently exhaling from your heart. Each inhale, breathing in love, ease, and compassion. You can remember a time when you felt that. You can think of someone who helps you feel more love, ease, and compassion. Or you can just silently say the words to yourself, and that will also bring that feeling. So one more deep breath, breathing into your heart, love, ease, and compassion. And on your exhale, you can slowly take your hand away. And when you feel ready, you can slowly open your eyes. And what I want everyone to do is just notice how do you feel any different now than you felt a couple of minutes ago? Do you feel different emotionally? Do you feel different physically? And Emily, since you're here, you can be my guinea pig. What, what is it that you feel any different from having done that? Well, I felt really good before we started because of getting to talk to you. But I, I realized as I was doing it that, that I could slow down and just feel how good it felt to be in rhythm, to kind of be in, in sync with the happiness of my life and being grateful for recognizing that. It just, it felt really good. Mm, wonderful. That is so great. Emily, I just have to say being here with you, I can feel, I just, I love who you are. I love how you're a beautiful messenger of happiness. And I can also just feel the energy of everybody who's joining us. There's something beautiful in a collective energy. So even though we're, we're here at different times, we're listening at different times, there is a collective energy of the people who are drawn to uh, this work together. And so feel that support as well. We aren't alone. That's, that's huge. That's really big because so many people, when they're dealing with grief, feel completely alone. And, and you're not, you don't have to be. There's lots of us out here for you and we love to support you. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Well, this has been just an incredible opportunity for people who get to listen to this to, to hear all the wonderful messages that you've given us today and the practices. There are so many happiness practices that, that really can change your life. And we can, I'm, I'm going to have in the show notes, uh, links to Marcy's information in her book so that, that you can explore this further. And I also encourage you, there were two things she talked about. One of them was heart math and the other one was Bruce Lipton. And I, I strongly recommend reading up on, on both of those. Bruce Lipton is absolutely fascinating. And so is heart math. They, they both are just, the, the more you immerse yourself in things that are positive and good, and you can see how things work together for your good, the, the easier it'll be to feel good that way and, and feel that that smile that, that comes naturally. And, you know, there are 21 different happiness habits that I discovered that um, they fall into seven main areas. And it's, it's we all need different medicine, different, in other words, we mm-hmm. need, all need a different one of those habits. What, what may work for you may not work for me. And I think that's a really important thing to recognize that that happiness isn't just one thing. It's, as I said, these 21 habits that fall into seven different areas of your what we call your inner home for happiness. So and, and I'll just very briefly say what those seven areas are so everybody can feel. Well, where am I the weakest? And, and I, you know, a home has seven areas. It's got a foundation, four corner pillars, a roof and a garden. And your home for happiness, the foundation is taking responsibility for your life and your happiness. Finding yourself not in a victim mode in life. Oh, this is awful life just happened to me. It's not fair, all of that. Instead, turning it into what I call a victor stage. You know you're in a victim consciousness when you're blaming, shaming, complaining. And there are many people who've been through horrible experiences in life. And yes, we need to feel our grief, but also we need to not feel like a victim of life circumstances. So taking responsibility for your happiness is the foundation. And then there's the four corner pillars of the pillar of the mind, your thoughts, the pillar of your heart. We just did something for the heart. Are you living with gratitude and loving kindness and forgiveness? The pillar of the body. Do you have enough biochemicals of happiness? Do you have the right endorphins and serotonin, the right levels of those and oxytocin? And then there's the pillar of the soul. Do you feel connected to a bigger energy of life? And then there's the roof of our inner home for happiness, which is your purpose or passion in life. Are you living an inspired life? And then finally, there's the garden. And the garden is who are you surrounded by? Do you you surround yourself with people who support you and inspire you or people who drag you down? And so what I recommend is, is you... Each person look at all seven of those areas and say, hey, where is my weakest area? And then start on your happiness journey there. Because, for example, if you're going through grief right now and you don't have a support system, you don't have people who are really there for you, helping you through this, that may be where you need to start. Maybe you need to start by creating more of a support system, or maybe for you, it's about your thoughts. And there's some wonderful practices that Emily teaches and that I teach around how to shift your thoughts. So each of these areas has certain practices, and I really recommend that you that you recognize that you can raise your happiness set point no matter what you're going through in your life. That's true. I do believe that. 
And I know I'm I'm always here for you. We we have the grief and happiness uh, alliance that meets every Sunday, and and there's no charge. We have a nonprofit foundation that covers the expenses of it because we feel so strongly about having anybody who wants this support from their peers with. Uh, learning ways to use writing to help them with grief and learning happiness practices to support them and in, in the, the joy in their life. We're there for you. So take advantage of, the, of what's out here. Oh, I so encourage you to please take advantage of this beautiful offering that Emily does once a week that's free, that allows you to have the right kind of support system and learn the right kinds of practices that can help you through the experience that you're in right now. And so that is just a magnificent thing. I, I, I thank you for offering that to people, Emily. Oh, thank you. It's through your inspiration that I've been able to do all this. And I'm eternally grateful to you for that. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, you know, I, I, I want to share one last idea, if I may. Okay. That is, people always say to me, is it selfish to want to be happier? What about the rest of the world? We see all the suffering in the planet. We see, you know, war, we see illness, we see all kinds of, you know, challenges. And why should I be happy? And as we've alluded to this earlier today, when we're happier, we actually are doing a great thing for everyone around us because the research shows that our happiness affects the happiness of everybody around us. And so I think it's a great gift that you give to the world by raising your own happiness set point. And uh, there's a beautiful Chinese proverb that I always love to share. It goes like this. It says, when there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. When there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. When there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And when there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. And so my prayer and my wish for all of us is that we know that light in our own souls, that happiness in our own lives. And through that, we help create more peace in this world of ours. Nothing better than us all working together to create that. Well, thank you all for joining us today. And thank you, Marcy. This was just such a wonderful conversation. And I'm, I'm so excited to get to share it with the world. And I'm always grateful for the work that you do. So thank you very much. Thank you, Emily. Okay. And for my viewers, we'll uh, enjoy this and, and do look up Marcy's things that she was talking about. The, the more you read and, and experience, the, the better this can be toward helping yourself move forward. And hopefully I'll see you all next week and we'll have lots more good things to talk about. Thank you for listening. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.